The opposite of distraction is traction. Okay? If you look at the etymology of both words, they actually both come from the Latin, meaning to pull, and they both end in the same six-letter word, A-C-T-I-O-N, that spells action. So traction is any action that pulls you towards what you want to do. The opposite of traction is distraction, anything that pulls you away from what you plan to do. Anything can be a distraction, right? If you say you're gonna do one thing and you do something else, that is a distraction, even if it feels like something productive. The information's all out there. What's lacking is the ability to avoid distraction, is the ability to live with personal integrity. But when you live life as someone who's indistractable, you get to the end of your day and you feel amazing. You said, oh, I did exactly what I planned to do. You are now tuning in to the Mind Body Podcast where you will go behind the scenes of how the mind of successful entrepreneurs, experts, and true leaders really works. Here you won't just listen, you will understand the guiding principles to create massive change in any area of your life. And of course, this podcast is hosted by the strong, lovely, with the sexy Jewish accent, Lidor Dayan. Welcome boys and girls and girls and boys and again it's been a while since uh, I did a podcast but uh, I am back and I'm very excited because today I have a very special guest and it was just on time to bring this guest uh, because uh, just like you saw I've been uh, on and off on the podcast so the next guest uh, is Nir Eyal and Nir is an expert when it comes to building great habits and to how to become indestructible which is a very common thing in today's world because most of us get distracted very easily with social media youtube instagram and all this shit so uh, the main key here is to uh, get you to understand that uh, you can become indestructible and you can build uh, better habits that uh, can reshape your entire life and i really believe that the next interview is uh, going to help you with that as much as it's helped me so without further ado let's welcome nireal to the mind body podcast Okay, so Nireal, thank you very much for joining the Mind Body podcast. I have to be honest, I haven't been uh, on for a while, so you're the first guest in the last couple of months. So thank you very much. My pleasure. I'm glad to uh, mark your your return to podcasting. <laughs> yeah, especially right now when we just started in 2020. So yeah. uh, if you won't mind, uh, would you mind introducing yourself in a short brief? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Nir Eyal and I'm what you call a behavioral designer. I work with com companies to design habit forming products and services to help people build healthy habits in their lives, getting people to form a habit around exercise or eating better or saving money or communicating with loved ones or taking an online class. Those are the type of companies I tend to work with. I wrote a book on the topic uh, that came out of a class I taught at Stanford Graduate School of Business in the design school called Hooked, How to Build Habit Forming Products. 
And I just published my second book called Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life, which is all about the flip side of these habit-forming technologies that sometimes we find that when a technology is made to be so good, so engaging, sometimes we can overuse these things and become distracted. And so that's what Indistractable is all about. Not just talking about the topic of tech distraction, but all distraction. Why is it that we say we're going to do one thing and we don't do it? How do we make sure that we become indistractable? We do what we say we're going to do in business and in life. Especially right now, right? Because uh, the more the, like we, we go into 2020, 2021, uh, the more distraction we have around us, especially because uh, the smartphones are now really big and we have the YouTube, the Instagram, all of those kind of social media. So how can you limit it? Because uh, we all know intellectually we don't need to spend so much time there. But uh, when time comes, we, we tend to just like, you know, we start and then we find ourselves hours by hours there and I know yeah. you you have these uh, four formats of uh, uh, creating habits so would you mind sharing that please yeah sure so the first thing we need to do is to understand that distraction is not a new problem that uh, distraction has been with us for as long as we have recorded history Plato in fact talk talked about distraction he called it akrasia in the Greek which means uh, this tendency that we have to do things against our better interest and so realizing that distraction is not a new problem uh, what's changed is the format right the medium is now different and so what we need to do is to stop blaming the medium stop blaming the cell phone stop blaming Facebook or Instagram or whatever distracts you and look at the deeper cause of the problem what's really going on uh, the best place to start is actually to understand what is the difference but what is distraction really what, what are we talking about And the best way to understand what distraction is is to understand what distraction is not. So the opposite of distraction is not focus. The opposite of distraction is traction. Okay? If you look at the entomology of both words, they actually both come from the Latin, meaning to pull, trahare, which means to pull. And they both end in the same six-letter word, A-C-T-I-O-N, that spells action. So traction is any action that pulls you towards what you want to do. The opposite of traction is distraction, anything that pulls you away from what you plan to do. So this is really important for two reasons. Number one, anything can be a distraction, right? If you say you're going to do one thing and you do something else, that is a distraction, even if it feels like something productive, right? You sit down at your desk and you say, okay, I'm going to get to work. I'm going to work on that big project. I've been procrastinating on that big thing. I'm finally going to focus. Here I go. And then you find yourself doing that easy thing on your to-do list. or checking email because email is kind of a worky thing you have to do or take out the trash right all of those things can be productive but not right now so the first thing to understand is that anything that you plan to do that is not I'm sorry anything that you do that is not what you plan to do is a distraction conversely anything can be traction and so there's nothing wrong with Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and any of these these websites there's nothing wrong with them as long as you use them on your schedule not on the app makers And so anything can be traction, anything can be distraction. That's the first things we need to realize. And then there's two parts of this model that's also important to realize, which are the internal triggers and the external triggers. This is what prompts us to these actions, either traction or distraction. External triggers are the things around us, the things in our environment that shape our behavior. It's the pings, the dings, the rings, all of these things in our environment that can lead us towards traction and distraction. And that's what people tend to blame. They tend to blame the things outside themselves. But what I discovered in my five years of research is that most distraction does not start from outside of us, but rather begins from within. 
that most distraction is spurred by these internal triggers. Internal triggers are these uncomfortable emotional states that we seek to escape from. So the icky sticky truth is that we don't like to admit to ourselves is that the reason we let ourselves get distracted, the reason we do something that is not what we plan to do is because we are trying to feel something that we don't want to feel. Okay, we're trying to escape an uncomfortable sensation. When we feel lonely, we check Facebook. When we're uncertain, we Google. When we're bored, we check the news, sports scores, Pinterest, Reddit. When we want to think about someone else's problems rather than thinking about our own problems, we watch the news, right? We read the paper. Why? Because we are looking to escape this discomfort. And so that has to be the critical first step, is that if you don't understand the internal trigger, the reason you are escaping that, that, that uh, uncomfortable sensation through distraction, then you will never get to the source of the problem. So how do you change it? How can you change your, those sensations? Because it's all like, okay, understand what you're saying and intellectually understand. But uh, in the moment of time when it happens, you just like those triggers tend to just go for hours and hours. And uh, it kind of like you feel you can't stop it. Right. So the most important thing is to realize the source of the problem. That instead of blaming something outside of ourselves, we have to look within. And psychologists tell us that by simply noting that sensation, so in every copy of Indistractable, there's what I call a distraction tracker. And psychologists tell us that by simply noting the sensation, by literally just writing it down, right? I'm feeling bored, I'm feeling uncertain, I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling anxious, whatever the case might be, by noting that cause of the, of the distraction, you can gain power over it. So that's the first step. Then there are these three other big steps that we can take. We can reimagine the trigger, we can reimagine the task, and we can reimagine our temperament. And so these are some advanced strategies that I talk about in the book. This isn't just stuff I made up. It's all based on peer-reviewed studies from acceptance and commitment therapy and research that's been around for decades and decades. Everything in the book is backed up by, by peer-reviewed studies. And so uh, th there's, there's lots that we can do, but that, of course, is the very first place to start. Mm -hmm. So if you can tell from your own experience, what is one habit, if you want my children, that you think or believe that uh, almost uh, uh, got uh, in your entire life or uh, could cost you your career? And how did you overcome that habit? A bad habit? Yes. Yeah, so for me, you know, what I found when I wrote my first book, um, I had lots of time on my hands. I just sold a, a company that I worked, that I helped found, and I had time, and nobody was really calling me, and I, and I had lots of time, so it was relatively easy to write my first book. But then when my second book became a bestseller, I started getting more calls and more emails and more invitations to speak and more consulting engagements. And so the thing that had made me successful, the writing and the researching, I didn't have as much time to do anymore. And so ironically, it was the, the source of my success that actually led to me getting distracted. And so I would check email as opposed to doing more writing or going to the gym or being with my daughter or doing whatever it is I said I wanted to do. This, this habit of endlessly checking email, which if I'm very honest with myself, I was checking because of an internal trigger. Right? It was this uncertainty of maybe somebody's waiting for me, maybe somebody needs something from me, maybe there's a big opportunity waiting for me. And so it was that, that internal trigger of uncertainty uh, that kept leading me to keep checking and checking and checking to my own detriment. So there's a whole chapter in the book around how I conquered this problem of, of checking email too much. Uh, and it's something that I've since reduced the time I spent on email by about 90%, 90. And it's something anybody can do.
Yeah, so so uh, I understand what, what you're saying here. And uh, I believe like a lot of entrepreneurs when they start uh, building their business, so it's a lot of hours when you feel you're all by yourself and you're alone and you need to put in the work. And it's only you and yourself and that's it. And sometimes myself as well, I, I saw it happen to me in the last couple of months. I've been caught up. I try to uh, stay focused or do something or like, uh, for example, I'm going to contact 100 people to my podcast and then I procrastinate and I started right. to be on my phone again or I felt lonely. So I kind of want to be with, you know, other women as well and meet people. And I felt that this is procrastination and this is a distraction for me. Uh, right. So for me, it was very hard to get out of it. So what you're yeah. saying is like being active and staying like always in motion and having stuff happen in your life will eventually get you out of that, right? Well, to some degree, I think part of it is in some ways slowing down. <laughs> that mm -hmm. uh, that sometimes you know we we see this with people who who work too much, right? With workaholics, uh, they why did why do people get addicted? Some of them to work is because they're escaping what's going on at home. They spend too much time in the office so that they don't have to go home and face the problems with the kids and their spouse, etc. So it's not that necessarily perpetual motion is the solution. In quite the opposite, I think in many ways the solution is is to, to stop and reassess why we are perpetually looking for something to take our mind off of our discomfort. Uh, so that's step one, is to master these internal triggers. And again, there's lots and lots of strategies for how to do that. The next step, you know, there's four steps and you have to do all four. The next step is to make time for traction. So it turns out that two-thirds of people out there don't keep a calendar. And so how can we call something a distraction if we don't know what it distracted us from? And so what I advise people to do is to keep what's called a time box calendar. And thousands of studies have verified how impactful and important this technique is. You know, when we think about our stuff, right? We put alarms on our cars, we put security systems in our homes, we put our money inside bank accounts so that they're you know, safe in a vault somewhere. We protect our stuff. But when it comes to time, sure, anybody can come and steal as much of it as they want. And so what we have to start doing is protecting our time. And the only way you can do that is to plan in advance how you want to spend your time. To-do lists are not the answer. I talk about in the book why to-do lists for most people backfire. They make you feel even worse. Yeah, right? it's what overwhelming. Do. When you see a to-do list, you get to the end of your day and you say, I still didn't do everything. Fuck it. I'm going to go watch TV. I'm going to go watch Netflix because I'm never going to do all this stuff. As opposed to when you plan your time, your input, as opposed to your output, you can be much more likely to stick with the task at hand. So you've got to plan your day. And I'll give you a link for the show notes. Mm -hmm. I built a tool that makes it very, very easy to any, for anyone to start time boxing. It's totally free. You don't have to sign up for anything. The idea here is that you're going to plan in advance how you want to spend your time. Because again, if you don't plan your day, somebody's going to plan it for you, right? Your boss, your, your, your whatever's going on on Facebook or Twitter or your, your, your kids, somebody's going to plan your day unless you decide in advance how you want to spend that time. So that's step two. And I show you exactly how to do that, how to sync your schedule with others. It's a very, very important step and why to-do lists for most people don't work. So before we go to step three, uh, when you, it comes to time management, there is a lot of people that say it's kind of different stuff. Some say you don't want to, to time manage, you want to outcome manage. So you want to make sure uh, each day you have like those three main outcomes that you want to achieve, right? And some say, no, you need to stick to like every hour or every 15 minutes, you need to know what you're doing. And we all know that 
if you try to like uh, make sure every 15 minutes uh, you you know what you're doing it's gonna overwhelm you because stuff can can change along the day so yeah. what is the time frame that we are talking about here uh, when it's right. time to time management right so it's really up to you for me it's about 30 minutes I plan my day in 30 minute increments so the idea is not that you never get distracted the idea is that you don't keep getting distracted from the same thing again and again mm -hmm. right that uh, what there's that quote that's attributed to Einstein, although he probably never said it, which says that uh, insanity is re repeating the same thing, expecting different results. Mm -hmm. So it's okay if something comes up once. If it comes up the second time, it's your fault, right? It's your responsibility to do something about it. So if you check Facebook again and again and again, okay, there's a problem here. Fix the goddamn problem. Stop letting it distract you. Yeah. Uh, so while things do come up, we have to have a strategy to know what to do with it. And every distraction only has three sources, either an internal trigger, an external trigger, or a planning problem. That's it. Every distraction only has three potential sources. And we can do something about all those three sources so that we can get back on track. This is why time boxing works so well, because if you do get off track, if you do get distracted, you know, there's, there's a known psychological phenomenon called the what the hell effect. That's, that's literally the name, the what the hell effect. And the what the hell effect says that when people are dieting, for example, and they have one cookie, then they'll say, oh, my diet is blown. I'll start again tomorrow or next week or next year, <laughs> right? They say, what the hell? I already blew it. And we see this with work as well, right? Okay, I'm, I'm off track already with starting this thing I wanted to do, so whatever. I'll, I'll get to it tomorrow, and then tomorrow becomes the next day, the next day, the next day. When you use time blocking, you know for every minute of your day what is traction, anything on that calendar, and what is distraction, anything that is not on that calendar. And that is essential for making sure that you do not become distracted. So know what is distraction in that time. Because distraction tricks you, right? Distraction makes you think, oh, this thing is important, even when it's a distraction. Don't you think it's a lot of uh, also state management as well? Because sometimes once we're in a really bad state of mind, and uh, our mind tend to go to either fight or flight mode. So whenever you like have this thing that you need to do and you don't do and you start to procrastinate, then your mind automatically gets into that flight mode. How you get yourself out of that flight mode before it's like... Right. So that's what step one is all about, right? Mm -hmm. Mastering the internal triggers. That's where we have to start is we have to have tools at our disposal. We have to have... Uh, we need to know automatically that, oh, I'm feeling this. What can I do? emotionally, how can I take care of this myself emotionally to figure out what's going on inside of me so that it doesn't get the best of me, so that it doesn't control me. Many times we can actually use these uncomfortable states to drive us. You know, one of the things I hate about the self-help industry these days is that we're constantly told if you're not happy all the time, if you're not satisfied, then something's wrong with you. Nothing could be further from the truth. Feeling bad is not bad. Okay, mm -hmm. it's completely normal. It's our evolutionary heritage. If you think about it, if there was ever a tribe of Homo sapiens that was happy and satisfied all the time, our ancestors probably killed and ate them. Mm -hmm. Right? That would not make sense to have a, a group of people who were always satisfied. Our dissatisfaction is what keeps us striving and hunting and creating and inventing and improving our lot in life. And so what we want to do is to realize that feeling bad is not bad. It's about how we deal with that discomfort. Do we use it to lead us towards traction or do we let it lead us towards distraction? Do we control it or does it control us? Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. So if we move on to the, the, the third, third one, yes. Yeah, so the third step is to hack back the external triggers. That it turns out we are much more powerful than we think at combating distraction. 
that these are this is all about the external triggers, the things in our outside environment. So it's simple stuff like you know how do you make sure that your phone is an indistractable phone? How do you make sure that your computer is an indistractable computer? How do you make sure that if you work in an open office floor plan? that your colleagues aren't constantly distracting you by tapping you on the shoulder and say, hey, you want to talk for a quick sec? All of these things can be sources of external triggers that we can hack back. We don't have to live like this. We can hack the technology. We can hack our environments to make sure that we're not constantly distracted. And I show you exactly how to do that. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I also saw uh, one of uh, the PDFs that you gave in your site about uh, how to limit distractions. It's a great PDF, 80 pages, I believe. And you yeah. wrote about uh, that uh, sometimes when you are with uh, your daughter, so you tend to be bored if you play too much with her. So uh, you need to first, just like you said, uh, understanding the trigger, uh, the action, and uh, would you mind like uh, repeating that for a little bit? Uh, sure. So I think you're confusing maybe my first book with my second book. No, the second so, one, I, I believe. Yeah. So it's so it's it's first about mastering those internal triggers. Of course, that's the first step, which we talked about already. Then we make sure that we make time for traction. So we have time with the people in our life that we want to spend time with, or doing the things that we plan to do in advance. And then the third step is to hack back the external triggers. Uh, is to make sure that we remove the external triggers from our environment or alter them in such a way that they're not constantly pinging and dinging us. Uh, it's also about how do we make sure that meetings are more effective. I mean, God, how much time do we spend in stupid meetings, most of us, uh, that don't need to be called or that are inefficient? So I tell you exactly how to do that as well. And then the last step, the fourth step, is about preventing distraction with pacts. And pacts need to be used last. Okay, pacts are these pre-commitments, these contracts we make with ourselves or with other people that make sure that it's the last line of defense to make sure we don't get distracted. So a pact, there are three types of these pacts. We have what's called an effort pact, a price pact, and an identity pact. An effort pact is when we put some bit of friction, some kind of work between us and something we don't want to do. So for example, in my household, uh, we were finding, my wife and I were finding that night after night we were going to bed later and later. And this was affecting our sleep, it was affecting our love life. And so we decided to use an effort pact. We went to the hardware store and we bought ourselves an outlet timer. And this outlet timer will turn on or off anything that's plugged into it at a certain time of day or night. What do we plug into it? Our internet router. So every night at 10 p.m. our internet shuts off. Okay, now we don't I, even need I it. Need it. Become, what's that? I need that. Yeah, well, it's, it costs five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody can go get one at the hardware store. It's a very, very uh, effective technique. That's an example of an effort pack. Now, could I go under my desk and mess with the outlet timer? Of course I could, but it's inserted a bit of effort, a bit of friction, so that I'm less likely to do something I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. Then you can use what's called a price pack, where you have some kind of financial disincentive to get distracted. And then finally, we have what's called an identity pact. An identity pact is, I think, the most interesting of the three pacts and probably the most powerful. An identity pact comes from the research out of the, the psychology of religion, that we know that when people form some kind of identity, some kind of moniker that they call themselves by, they become much more likely to do what they say they're going to do. So, for example, if someone says they're a devout Muslim or a practicing Christian, they're much more likely to abide by the rules they make for themselves, even if you think about a vegetarian. A vegetarian doesn't wake up in the morning and say, hmm, should I have some bacon for breakfast? No, a vegetarian does not eat meat. It is who they are. And so that's why I call the book Indistractable. 
because long-term behavior change is identity change. And so I teach you how to see yourself differently, how to see yourself as the kind of person who lives with personal integrity, the kind of person who does what they say they're going to do. You will become indistractable because you're going to decide that is who you are. And it is by doing this that not only will you change yourself, you'll change your family, you'll change your workplace, hopefully we'll change the world and help people become indistractable. And that's eventually what we all seek for, right? To become happy about who we become. Because most people uh, are not happy because of all the stuff that you just said. Like uh, you don't live with uh, inner integrity, like you say certain stuff and you don't do yeah. it. And it makes you feel awful. I know it. And most people know it. You've probably been there too. And you feel yeah. disgusted about yourself. So I think that's, that's the, the biggest thing. So if we look back at 2019, what is something that you became really good at saying no to? Oh, I say no to a lot of things. <laughs> um, so I became, you know, I used to be clinically obese. And now for the first time in my life, actually just yesterday, I showed my wife, I, I have these gloves that I go to the gym with that uh, make it easier for me to get a grip on my weights. And I actually wore through the gloves. And I showed her, I said, look, you know, I, I wore through these gloves. That's how much I use them. Whereas I used to hate exercise and I would always neglect it. I, you know, being clinically obese, it, I, I, it was horrible. I would talk, you know, my friends would say, oh, I love it. I get a runner's high. It feels good. <laughs> Never felt good for me. <laughs> I didn't get it. And now for the first time in my life, I've been consistently exercising now uh, since, and, and writing the book really helped me uh, because I, you know, it's amazing. It, if, it, the problem is no longer that we don't know what to do. It used to be that you could say, well, I just don't know, right? Somebody needs to teach me. How do I lose weight? But today, give me a break. Google it. Yeah. <laughs> you know who, the, you know, as someone who used to be clinically obese, I can tell you, if you want to talk to somebody to get information about how to get fit, talk to somebody who's overweight. I guarantee you, they know everything. We, I used to spend so much time Googling and researching and listening and watching YouTube videos. I knew everything. I just didn't do it. And so that's the real question. Why is it that despite the fact that we know what to do, why don't we do it? Why do we get distracted? And I think the real problem is not that we don't know what to do, it's that we let distraction get in our way. And if we can remove those distractions, if we can figure out how to overcome them, we can finally be the kind of people we know we can be. You believe that most people can do it by themselves? Or we do need some sort of mentor or people around us? Because like if I, for example, I will read your book and then I will, again, just like you've been on YouTube and all, I will know what to do, but I will not apply it. Yeah, so for the vast majority of people, uh, they can't do it themselves. Now, what kind of person needs a coach? The elite level. I think at some level, there is, you know, when you're talking about the top 1%, there is a knowledge gap. There is the latest secret, the latest te techniques that may be a little bit more effective because you're talking about really peak performance. But for the vast majority of people who just want to you know, exercise 30 minutes a day, do something physical for longevity and health, the information's all out there. What's lacking is the ability to avoid distraction, is the ability to live with personal integrity. And I know that feeling. I mean, look, I was patient zero for this book. I wrote this book for me more than anyone else. I would constantly lie to myself, right? I would say I was going to exercise, but I wouldn't. I would say I was going to spend quality time with my family, and yet I would be doing something else. I'd be on my phone. I would say I was going to work on a big project at work, 
and yet I would check email or Slack channels. And that feeling of lying to yourself feels horrible. It's this baggage, this monkey you carry around on your back all day, constantly feeling like you didn't do what you say you're going to do. But when you live life as someone who's indistractable, you get to the end of your day and you feel amazing. You said, oh, I did exactly what I planned to do. That is such a great feeling that I want more people to experience. And the good thing about it is, you know, it, it can sound like I'm saying be very rigid, right? Plan your day and all you have to do is work, work, work. No, quite the opposite. That actually if you want freedom, you have to plan for it, right? It's ironic. It's kind of like many things in life. If you want love, if you like somebody, you don't glob onto them and say, I love you, I love you, I love you. You give them some space and if they love you back, they'll give you love, right? You have to be lovable if you want people to love you. And the same goes, ironically, with when it comes to freedom. If you want freedom, you need to impose constraints. Freedom doesn't come from an open day. How many of us have had an open day where we said, oh, I have nothing planned. I'm going to be so productive. I'm going to write my novel. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to work out. And then we get to the end of the day and we didn't do anything. Right? Yeah. That's what typically happens. So by giving ourselves constraints, we actually can give ourselves more freedom to do what it is we, we say we're going to do, including fun stuff. Like, I want people to plan time for social media. I want that to be in your calendar, time to go online, time to do something fun. If you want to watch a movie, great, do it, but plan time for it. Make, do those things on your schedule, not on somebody else's. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And if we are talking about that, uh, I, I do believe that uh, we do need to use technology and not let technology use us. So if you would, for example, suggest three to five apps that you're using that you see that improves your life right now and helps you to stay on track, what would it be? Oh my gosh, it's, it, there's so many. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer in technology and I think, you know, I read so, so many books by tech critics who basically say, oh, the problem with distraction is all about technology. I think that's, that's rubbish. It's not true. It's not scientifically true. And more importantly, when you think it's true, when you think, oh, technology is addicting me, technology is hijacking your brain, this leads to what's called learned helplessness. Mm -hmm. Because you think, what can I do, right? Technology is doing it to me. It's not my fault. Well, you're right. It's not your fault. You didn't invent the technology, but it is your responsibility. So there are all kinds of apps. Here, I'll take out my phone to look right now. Um, so there's apps like, for example, I'm wearing several biometric devices, right? I've got the Aura Ring, I've got the Whoop Band, I've got all kinds of technology that helps me uh, be, uh, be more effective in the gym. Uh, I use apps, for example, like uh, Forest is a wonderful app I wow. use that helps me make a, a, an effort pact. So when I need to do focused work, for example, I'll take out the Forest app and you dial in how much time you want to do focused work for. You hit a little button that says plant and a little virtual tree is planted. Mm. And if you pick up the phone and do anything with it, the virtual tree dies. Wow. So it's, it's enough <laughs> of a reminder to remind you, oh, nope, that's not what you want to do right now. You didn't want to check Instagram. You wanted to stay focused on what you're working on. And this technology is free. It works great. Uh, there's another company I, I like so much I actually invested in called Focusmate, focusmate.com. And this is a wonderful product that essentially you find time to co-work with somebody else on the internet. So you sign up for a time, you say, okay, this is particularly great if you're the kind of person like I used to be that has trouble getting started in the morning. So you say, okay, 9 a.m., I need to really work on this project. So book a time with someone else who is your focus mate, and they can be anywhere in the world. And at that time, you log in, you see their face, they see you, you say go, and for that block of time, you're co-working on whatever it is that each of you is working on. And it's amazing how just seeing another person busy at work and knowing that you're accountable to them, because at the end you have a little debrief, you say, okay, how did, how did it go? 
is incredibly effective. So it turns out that ironically, the solution to tech distraction in many ways is more better tech. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, very true. And uh, I have another one more question. Uh, if you could give your kid one book, but not yours, <laughs> uh, what uh, that can help them improve their life, uh, what would it be? One book I would give to my kid to improve their life. Um, there's a lot of great books out there. This is always a tough question because there are so many good books. Uh, you know, I think for fiction, uh, my, my daughter's a little too young for this right now, but when she's a teenager, I think reading Moby Dick is, is an important book. Uh, this great American novel, perhaps the greatest American novel, is uh, it's interesting because I think it's a wonderful portrayal of how distraction is not a new problem. You have Captain Ahab, who is just as much distracted and obsessed over killing this whale as anyone is today about you know some some obsessive goal, even to his detriment, right? Even when he is that's that that is a distraction from what he really needs to deal with. He's still obsessed with this whale, kind of like the same way that some people are obsessed, overly obsessed with one thing or another in their life, and it can lead to a distraction. Uh, and, and I think it, I think it's a really timeless portrayal of how this problem is is nothing new and how it's always about something else. It's not the whale, right? It's what's going on inside Captain Ahab in this book uh, that I think is is a really good portrayal of of many of the same principles I talk about in Indistractable. So what's next for you right now in 2020? Good just... question. So for the next year, I really am on this mission to help the world become indistractable. I want to help as many people as possible uh, do what they say they're going to do, live with personal in integrity. And so I'm going to I'm doing a lot of public speaking, a lot of uh, of workshops and and uh, events around this topic. And I really want to help others translate the message for other people, right? By understanding this model, by teaching it to their kids. I mean, if there's one thing you can do to help your kids in life, it's it's the fact that you know the world is going to become more distracting in the years to come. And so we have to give our kids this skill of becoming indistractable as well. So for the next year, 2020 is really about spreading the message. How, how uh, obsessed will you rank yourself from one to 10? Because uh, most entrepreneurs and people that, uh, you know, like yourself, uh, they uh, really feel that they are weird and uh, have some sort of obsession. So, well, it's you know, it's it's about it's about doing so with intent. Like, if if what you want to do with your day is spend all your time working on a startup, great. I'm not going to tell you not to, but do it with intent. I think where you get into trouble is when we become liars. Right, being mm -hmm. a liar is. Is we don't want to be liars. That's a, that's such a put down. If somebody calls you a liar, it's very hurtful. So I don't have a problem with obsession. I think that can be a very positive trait. I have a problem with obsession taking a toll on people who don't deserve to pay the price. So it's fine if you want to be a startup founder. Is your spouse on board with that? Are your kids on board with that? Don't lie to them and say you're going to be a, a good dad or a good mom when you're not. That's okay, right? But the idea here is to have these expectations be clear. If you acknowledge that, look, this is the amount of time I have, that is in accordance with my values, fine. What I want to help you do is to live according to your values, whatever those values might be, with integrity and honesty, as opposed to leaving it to the last minute, in which case distraction will get you, as opposed to you controlling distraction.
Uh, yeah, you, you're absolutely right about all of that. And I can tell from right now because I have some some distraction right now, and I'm trying to be here and like. But yeah, I, I totally get you. Uh, so uh, where people can find you, uh, of course. Sure. Yeah. So my website is nearandfar.com. Near is spelled like my first name, N-I-R and far.com. And uh, if you want more information on the book, it's indistractable, and you can find out more at indistractable.com. And as you mentioned, there's a complimentary 80-page workbook that's completely free that you can get there as well. And if you do buy the book, make sure you keep your order number, whether you buy it at a bookstore or on Amazon, doesn't matter. Make sure you keep that order number because if you enter it in at indistractable.com, I will send you a free video course as well. So make sure you put that in at indistractable.com. Of course, I will put all the links uh, under uh, the description. I want to thank you again so much for the time being on the show. Uh, I don't take it for lightly and uh, I really enjoy talking with you. I think you are a very smart, intelligent person and uh, I really wish you 2020 you will get all the goals and even more uh, than what you expected. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's been fun. If you enjoyed this interview or any other one from the Mind Body Podcast, feel free to subscribe to my podcast at iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and at my YouTube channel. Also, feel free to share this podcast on Instagram by tagging the Mind Body Podcast. Do you want to be a part of the Mind Body Podcast? So remember the FAST Factor. The FAST Factor stands for 1. Facebook. Become a part of the Mind Body Podcast community by joining our Facebook community just by searching on Facebook the Mind Body Podcast community. Number 2. Act. Don't just be a passive listener. Act upon what you've just learned by applying one simple thing from any episode or interview. 3. Subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or if you're visual like me, then just search the Mind Body Podcast on YouTube. And number four, train others. Because just like I always say, leaders create leaders, and you're all here to grow together. And by training others, you're training yourself. So this is the fast factor. Remember it. Facebook act, subscribe, and train others. Oh, and please feel free to leave a review which will engage all your VAC senses. And the VAC senses stands for visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, which when you use all the three combined, you remember stuff much better. For more information about my coaching, public speaking, and taking your mind and body to all new levels, check my site at lidodayan.com. Till then, never, ever forget to smile. See you soon.